the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. I was born to a couple who uh, both both partners were married to other people. They both had families. And um, so when I came along, um, it wasn't really feasible for me to stay with either family. I went home from the hospital with my adoptive parents. I grew up um, treating them as my mom and dad. To me, they were my mom and dad. I was adopted when I was two weeks old. When I was 30, um, I started thinking about um, learning a little bit more about my background since I had a closed adoption. And I was married and getting thinking about having a child of my own. And so I asked my parents if they would be willing to help me find my birth mother. And I ended up meeting my birth mother and learning more about my story. And so what I found out was that she was 15 when she became pregnant with me. My mom's family wasn't able to raise me. They didn't even consider parenting. So really the only options that were presented to my birth mom were aborting me or adopting, releasing me for adoption. My birth mother was 17 when she gave me up, and I'm 17 as well. Um, And so I feel like, you know, my birth mother had to make a lot of decisions at a young age. Um, At 17, you're not very mature. You're not thinking very well. But to, you know, come to the decision of putting your child up for adoption is something very commendable. My adoptive parents desperately wanted to have children and they chose to adopt me and to give all their love to me as their child. In a way, there is something missing, if you like. Um, But on the other hand, um, there's something gained, which is very precious to me as well. And welcome back to this edition of Lifeline. I want to turn a corner for a moment and pivot to a very important topic. If you've been watching the news and who hasn't noticed over the last many, many months, what between cases related to changes in abortion laws in states like Georgia, certainly the Texas case, now the United States Supreme Court uh, bringing further focus into this issue, raising concern at, at multiple levels. And sometimes that concern also raises some confusion. When the... Planned Parenthoods of the world talk about choice. What they really mean is, do it my way. The notion of fully informing a woman in a crisis pregnancy, in an unplanned pregnancy, as to what all of the totality of options are, well, quite frankly, that just doesn't happen. In fact, in a state like California, we've even passed laws against it trying to somehow manipulate women in a fashion that we prevent them from making a fully informed decision. It is a crisis, sadly, of our own making. It's been with us since 1973. There's many ways in which this needs to be addressed, but I believe one of the most important ways is for we as the church to take an active role in saying to women, if you want to know what your choices are, Let's be honest about this, explain to you the totality of your choices, and then not stand back with harsh criticism, but rather stand with them, make ourselves available to help support them through that very difficult decision, and ultimately, hopefully, guide them into making the right one. Joining me now is Peter Finter. Peter is the board chairman of Real Options, and Peter, thank you so much for being with us today. 
Thank you very much for having me, Craig. This is a topic that some would say, particularly if, if we sat down and had a conversation with any of the leadership of Planned Parenthood or NARAL or any of those groups, would say, wait a minute, two guys are on the radio talking about abortion? How does that involve you in the least? What do you say to that kind of criticism? Hmm. Well, there are precious few uh, pregnancies that don't involve men, uh, as, far as, uh, as far as we know. Duly noted. <laughs> Uh, and uh, and men do have a responsibility to care about what happens next. Um, sadly, as you have been pointing out, many of the women that we get to stand alongside are lacking that support from the men in their lives. Uh, when crisis comes, uh, men sadly often are nowhere to be seen, leaving the women to handle these issues on their own. So part of what our mission is at Real Options is to get alongside those very women in their place of crisis, as well as Ahead of time, we also are active in education in our high schools, on the campuses, at our universities and colleges, um, but particularly for women who are in that moment of crisis, who are needing that support and that help. Men do have a role to play. Um, sometimes it's, it's less on the front lines and it's more behind the scenes, but we absolutely need, as men, to take responsibility for the consequences of our actions and to be willing to count that cost. Historically, Peter, do you think that women have been denied the full truth? And by that, I mean that we know certainly there is a financial interest that some organizations have in keeping abortion rates high because, quite frankly, it's how they make their money. And I wonder if, from your perspective, have women largely been denied the full story? When we talk about choice, that would suggest to me that there might be option one, two, three, and four. And yet, oftentimes, in the mainstream media, and certainly what we hear propaganda-wise coming from um, certain organizations that I won't mention, Planned Parenthood, that there seems to be a notion that there isn't any choice whatsoever. Just follow through with the abortion because this may come at an inconvenient time in your life. And so this is the easy answer. But is that really denying women the, the power, in a sense, to make the right decision for themselves and their child? I think you're making a very important point, Craig, which is that, you know, there are influences in our society which have affected the way that men and women think about uh, pregnancy and think about abortion in particular, um, to the point where, you know, standing against that, is in some way putting you outside of the mainstream. And for many people, they just haven't ever really considered those alternatives, considered what it might mean to carry their baby to term, consider what it might mean potentially to make an adoption plan for a child that they know that they're not in a position to care for and, and raise on their own. Those options typically are not in the mainstream. They're just not out in the, in the media at large. And as a result, many women that we, uh, that we help um, come to us feeling that they're trapped feeling that they don't have choices, they don't have options, and that they're under pressure to make a decision in the moment that they feel very unprepared for. So I, I would agree with you, Craig. I think our society has been influenced strongly by probably some organizations more than others to think that adult, abortion is a perfectly acceptable solution when we know it really is not. Sometimes we hear this, Peter, couched in terms of an unwanted pregnancy and maybe more accurately and succinctly put, an unwanted baby is there a misnomer to that as well? Particularly when we think about this in terms of the adoption space, I would suppose when you look at the numbers of folks out there, couples out there that are desirous of being parents, and there's a waiting list. Sometimes people even turn to foreign overseas adoptions because of the challenges in adopting a child. It would seem to me under those terms that this notion that it's a quote-unquote unwanted pregnancy or again more succinctly put unwanted child really isn't true, is it? 
It really is not. You're ranking in a super point here. There is, the statistics are staggering. There are uh, around a million couples in the U.S. today who are waiting to adopt a child. And there are only 18,000 children that are actually available to adopt in a given year. That's an extraordinary disparity. And what that tells you is that there are literally millions of people who desperately want a child. And for one reason or another, they can't, uh, they can't have a child on their own. And so it, it's really not true to say they're unwanted. I think when people say that, it's often through the lens of a particular person that's affected. So, for example, if you weren't planning to start a family, then indeed the pregnancy itself might be unwanted. It's an intrusion. It's an interruption. It's a burden. Um, and that's all very legitimate. The child themselves, however, is not actually the source of the problem. The child themselves has a life of their own, has a future of their own. And indeed, it's not just their future. It's the future of their children and their grandchildren. It's the multi-generational impact that every child has the potential to make. I think we all would understand that God desires every child that is created, every child that is um, that is formed. And indeed, we know that although it is possible, and, and, and sadly, in many cases, it, it's, it's, it is the case that mothers and fathers are not in a position to raise the children that they have. That does not mean there are not others who are willing to step in and to take on that responsibility. So, Peter, is the message here that a child, a baby's worth is not measured based on whether or not he or she is conceived, born into a circumstance where they are quote-unquote wanted, planned, expected, that the child's worth is not based on that set of circumstances, but rather something that intrinsically in and of themselves as a baby, as a child, makes them valuable, makes them a person of worth? I think as a believer, we know that the Bible speaks about the infinite value of a child's God's view is is not predicated on circumstances. Mm. He his his value on a child is infinite to the point where he would send his own son to be willing to die for each and every individual on the planet. And life we believe starts at conception. So that means that value carries through from the first moment of life through the entire life of that individual. And if God puts such a value on such a person, who are we to diminish that value in any way? It's 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 it is the case that we we recognize in ourselves how much we we believe ourselves to be valued. That's exactly how God thinks about us. We are in the palm of his hands. And so his desire is for every person to have the right to life and the ability to fulfill their potential because we have a plan and a purpose designed by him for each and every person on the planet. Well, that narrative shifts pretty dramatically in that viewpoint, doesn't it? When you look at it with that lens and realize every child fearfully and wonderfully made, as Scripture says, in the very image and likeness of God, and to take it even a step further, that he himself has breathed very life into them. Suddenly Amen. now, that child's worth no bearing on the circumstances under which they were conceived whatsoever, but rather their worth is now looked at through the lens of the way God sees them. Now, toward that end, I, I want to come back to this topic of adoption for a moment, because it is indeed one of the real options that women have. What does that journey look like? And I understand that there's a, a personal connection for you on this topic. Yes, indeed, Craig, yes. So, um, uh, full disclosure, um, I was adopted as a baby back in the uh, 1960s and mid-1960s when I was born. The only option that was available for uh, parents who wanted to adopt or make an adoption plan for children was really what was called a closed adoption. 
And that is one of the reasons I think that for many people, this decision has become a bigger decision <laughs> because the thought of not having access to your child after they're born obviously is a huge consideration for every mother and indeed every father. And that situation has changed. Today, much more common is what we know as open adoptions. And open adoptions mean that both the birth parents and the adoptive parents have rights of access to the adopted child. In some sense, they get more parents, not less parents as a result. Um, and that has certainly helped for many people. But the journey is really one where it, there's a meeting together of the mom who is considering what is best for her child and the adoptive parents who, as we said earlier on, there are many, many adoptive parents who are looking forward to the opportunity to raise a child as their own. And in my own case, the adoption happened actually in the hospital itself, meaning that my adoptive parents came to the hospital to pick me up after I was born. So very early, in fact, so early that I had no recollection of the event, of course. And it wasn't until I was somewhat older that my parents told me that I was adopted. That's also something people are very curious about. Well, what was that like? Did that change something about the way you felt about your adopted parents? And I would say that from my own experience, it caused me to firstly start to recognize that these people had made a decision for me in a very special way. They had chosen me to be part of their family. That was incredibly powerful for me to re realize that. I didn't just arrive. <laughs> they went and got me, if I could say it like that. Um, that was extremely powerful. I think the other consideration was, oh, there is another family that I don't know about that I'm also somehow connected to and somehow part of. And so it opened the doors to you know, new possibilities. But I will tell you, Craig, my parents have both passed now, um, but I never considered them not to be my parents. They were my parents from day one all the way through their lives to the end of their lives. Uh, and I'm incredibly grateful, by the way, for the decision that they made. And I'm incredibly um, Im impacted by the decision that my birth mother made to make an adoption plan for me that, that resulted in her not seeing me for the rest of, uh, of, of her life to this point. Um, that's a big decision. And that's something that would not have been taken lightly. And I am incredibly appreciative and thankful for her decision to do that. Our conversation today on this edition of Lifeline with Peter Finter, the chairman of the board of Real Options. We'll take a brief time out, return to more of our dialogue as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And welcome back to Lifeline. Our visit today is with Peter Finter. Peter is the chairman of the board of Real Options. Peter, let's pick up our conversation where we left off moments before the break. And I think it's demonstrative, Peter, of a, a tremendous degree of love. People say, how can you carry a child to term and then give it up for an adoption and call that love? But if a woman is in a set of circumstances where it's just beyond the pale, they don't want to terminate the pregnancy. They recognize that that baby, as we spoke earlier, has intrinsic worth in and of his or herself. And to willingly make the sacrifice to adopt that child is really indicative, I think, of, of the message you're sharing. And that is that, in a sense, you're a child that was loved twice over by your birth mother who cared enough to say, this child has a right to live and I'm going to make the personal sacrifice to make sure that this child has a chance 
at life, as well as your parents, whom, as you say, made the intentional decision to say we're going to go through the hassle, the time, the expense, the process of adopting this child into our lives. So in many respects, in in my mind's eye, that's demonstrative of a child that is incredibly loved, not only by his creator, her creator, but by the parents as well. And, And I would wonder, coming full circle to real options, women sometimes that are facing these very critical difficult decisions say, well, were I to make the decision to carry the child to term and put my baby up for adoption, well, that's a really rough path to walk by myself. I, I don't, I'm, I'm terrified of the notion. How does an organization like Real Options come alongside women who are making this critical decision? It's a great question, Craig, because you're absolutely right. It's, 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 it is a decision that has consequences that are worked out over time. You know, by definition, the point at which these kinds of decisions are made are during pregnancy. They might be towards the beginning when the woman first realizes that she's pregnant, or it might be towards the end. Um, And it's always an option open to a mom. Um, And so we don't ask them to hurry that decision. The important decision is really to continue with the pregnancy, to see the baby come to term, and then to place the baby into the best situation for them. Um, And the mother is the one that ultimately gets to make that decision. Is it the best decision for the baby? And we like to talk about making an adoption plan for a baby today rather than giving a baby up for adoption. Because as I've mentioned already, um, open adoptions now mean that moms don't lose contact with their children. And we have many stories of patients of ours who have come through our clinics, who have successfully carried their baby to term, whose babies have then been adopted And they continue to be able to enjoy that relationship, knowing that they made a big decision in favor of their baby. And uh, and that almost always is a success story. In fact, the statistics tell us that over 90 percent of adopted children have positive feelings about their adoptions. You know, sometimes we worry that maybe the child's going to be damaged. Maybe there's going to be some terrible consequence that later on they're going to look back and say this was the wrong decision. But actually, the evidence is um, is not the case. But to the practical question, well, what do we actually do? Well, the first thing that we're concerned about is that we are helping our patients in a safe, secure environment to think through their options. We provide data to help them. We show them whether their pregnancy is viable because we provide free ultrasounds. But we go further than that and provide the spiritual and emotional support that they're going to need to walk this whole journey. So once you're a patient of real options, you're always a patient of real options. And we provide our services free at the point of delivery. So we're not asking moms to be paying for these services as they walk through their pregnancy. And we love to continue that journey as long as they would like to go with us. We also provide pragmatic, practical support because for many moms, as we know, going through tough times need financial support, whether we can provide clothing or we can provide baby buggies or other things that will be helpful to them as they go to term. So obviously that's not relevant for every mom. If you're adopting your, if your baby's going to be adopted, you don't need to invest in all of those things. But nevertheless, we provide whatever support the mother is looking for and needing. But the most important one that we have found is that emotional support, having a partner who is able to be alongside, who is able to provide a sounding board to be there when the emotions get too much. We provide all of that as well as the medical services that they need to go through their pregnancy. And what a joy to be able to say a woman facing that set of circumstances with big decisions looming ahead that feels as if they're all alone, completely abandoned, no one to whom they can turn, no one that they can rely upon. And oftentimes, as we spoke earlier, grappling with a lot of 
misinformation or lack of information as they're making this decision to then realize that there are organizations and volunteers and people with an organization like Real Options that can stand there, not only providing the practical support, but that all-important emotional support and spiritual support there too. If folks want to get involved in a, in a greater way, Tell us a bit about how listeners right now can, in a practical sense, be supportive of the work of Real Options across the Bay Area. Thank you, Craig. I appreciate you asking that question. I think for, for most people, going to a website with more information is probably very helpful for them. So I would encourage, first of all, your listeners to go to friendsofrealoptions.net slash C-T-O-L. And that stands for Christmas Tree of Life. So re- friends of Real Options, all one word, dot net slash c-t-o-l and the christmas tree of life is really in the spirit of the christmas season enabling uh, our supporters to choose gifts to bless one of our patients or someone in the communities that we serve we also have an online gift catalog that people can browse for women and their babies in need of formula or wipes or diapers as an example and to honor loved ones with a personalized gift card so please head over to friendsofrealoptions.net slash c-t-o-l for all the ways in which you can learn more about us and also provide support. And I love it in that in that spirit of giving during this um, holiday season to be mindful that um, the, um, the wise men and those that were able to follow that star in the east and present their gifts to the babe in the manger, we can do that in a sense by standing with friendsofrealoptions.net forward slash C-T-O-L. And um, go online, look at the catalog, and in a real sense, give a practical gift to Jesus during this Christmas season. I love that, and I want to encourage listeners, find out more about the work of Real Options. There's opportunities to not only support in a practical way, in a financial way, but also through volunteerism and other ways of of donating. And to get all the details, again, go online to friendsofrealoptions.net. And as you're thinking of your end-of-year giving, be mindful of the tremendous work that's being done by Real Options across the Bay Area. They really need your prayerful support. So think about them when you go to friendsofrealoptions.net forward slash C-T-O-L. And I would like to thank Peter Finter, the chairman of the board of Real Options, for spending a few minutes with us today. Thank you, Peter. It's been a delight. Thank you so much, Craig. We really appreciate it. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.